You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BJM Radio, episode number 368. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PillBoys.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BleedingRenation.com. Brandon, this Thursday, we're recording this on Tuesday, by the way. In two days, you and I will both be at Wrong Crowd Brewery. Wrong Crowd Beer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Wrong Crowd in Westchester, PA where you and I will be watching the Cowboys-Seahawks game with our listeners. Anyone who wants to stop by, free of charge, come on by. The beer isn't free of charge. The food isn't free of charge. But your entry into Wrong Crowd Beer is free of charge. Come see us. Come watch a football game with us. Hang out. Have some beers. Have some food. Good times all around at Wrong Crowd Beer. You can also order from Wrong Crowd Beer at wrongcrowdbeer.com. Uh, or just grab it wherever you buy your beer. And if they don't have, ask for it, and they don't have it, say, yo, dude, where's the wrong crowd beer? Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. Should be a good time sad by all. Me too, Jimmy, even though I'm afraid that it'll be a big Cowboys win, hoping to be wrong about that. Oh, they're definitely going to win the game. I agree, <laughs> uh, but hope to be wrong. You know, maybe by somehow, some chance, the Seahawks actually win. That would be awesome to see with everyone in person even if the cowboys win it'll still be great to see everyone i'm excited to have some wrong crowd beer myself i am excited to have some of their food as well my long awaited journey to get the bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers there so very excited to check out wrong crowd (laughs) beer company in westchester for our second event there again wrongcrowdbeer.com is the place to go man that line is that line is nine yeah, I think it's Cowboys by nine in that I, game. Uh, Good lord! Started at like seven, jumped up. So, man, is there an injury or something that I don't know about? No, I was actually just talking about that. I just recorded the NFC East mixtape podcast with RJ, and we were talking about that. And he um, he asked our Seahawks writer Mookie Alexander from uh, the very uh, nicely named Field Goals that um, yes. He was like, no, no real injury. He, he Mookie just said that the odds makers must have just watched the Seahawks game because they're bad. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the, the Eagles are three-point underdogs now, by the way. I don't know when that jumped up. Yeah. But they're th- three. Yeah. Plus three. Holy crap. Yeah, it's been a weird um, – there's been some movement on that line against the San Francisco 49ers. I saw it open, the Eagles being two-point underdogs. I saw it go down to one that night. I saw the Eagles being only one point dogs. Then it shifted back to 1.5. Then it shifted back to 
Niners favored by two and a half, and now it's at Niners favored by three. So kind of weird, but we have an Eagles Bills game to get to before we spin it forward to (laughs) week 13, which were a very big game. Um, Where do you want to start, Jimmy? Uh, Well, it was a very fun game. I think we should say right at the top. Uh, I think uh, some of the post game rhetoric, nonsense, whatever you want to call it, is like turning it into some kind of like horribly officiated game, which is just total nonsense. Like, get the hell out of here with that. I mean, like, what 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 are the sort of the big complaints that you've heard on that front? Like, there's so first of all, I'll start I'll start off by saying, oddly, Bills reporters requested that uh, the pool reporter interview the officials after the game so just so you know that is really rare for that to happen like usually it's only in cases where there's some egregious call or if there's some uh gray area in like the explanation of a call like a weird something just weird happens during the course of the game uh in regards to officiating and people are just trying to get more clarity on on why a call was called a certain way but some of these some of these calls that they wanted asked about the officials are just nuts. One of them was a pass interference call on Darius Slay over the middle on a pass to, oh man, I forget the receiver's name, but like not Diggs. Uh, not it wasn't Gabe Davis. Shakir? It wasn't Shakir. It was the other guy. But it was just, it was a diamond dozen play that you see every week in the NFL. Like Slay had his, had his hand on, the Bills receivers like shoulder, but he didn't pull him. He didn't turn him or anything like that. It was a bang, bang play. And Slay kind of had a, a pass break up on it. And if like they had thrown a flag for PI on that, then like Eagles fans would be mad. <laughs> like that. It got caught for PI. It was like one of those where it could kind of maybe go either way, but they want, they wanted a, a pool reporter to ask about that. And I forget what the other there were there were three calls in total that they wanted the intentional grounding slash the horse collar, right? You know what's funny about that to me is that I don't I didn't see any Bills. I watched that play. I watched that play over again. I didn't see any Bills players even calling for that penalty. I I didn't see any Bills players calling for that. You know, like when there's a penalty or it might be penalty. Yeah, Josh Allen didn't even fully call for it. At least from the first, his first thing was to try to point to a receiver being in the area, and then he was complaining about how like the front of his jersey kind of got ripped because Hassan Reddick got the front of it. But like, I didn't even see anyone. I didn't see him or his teammates complaining about a horse collar. First of all, like the idea that like he was trying to complete a pass to Gabe Davis, right? Like, get the hell out! Gabe Davis kind of happened to be sort of in the area, but Josh Allen is clearly just throwing the ball because he's getting right. ripped to the ground. Didn't, like so, like the rule. The, are you kidding? Rule, you really want you want to call for that? The spirit of the rule is not let the quarterback like barely get the ball out and throw the ball at the ground and reward the quarterback. That's not the spirit of the rule. The spirit yes. of the rule is to eliminate the quarterback from taking uh, a sack by doing a cheap little incompletion. That's the spirit of the rule. <laughs> yes, for sure. So there's a lot of that going on, but I, I think once you get past, you know, all, all that, you know, all that garbage, it was a really entertaining game um, that the, I mean, the Eagles, it was they got thoroughly outplayed in the first half of this game. Obviously, Jalen Hurts was four of eleven for thirty-three yards, no touchdowns, one interception. 
Um, had the lost fumble on the weird play where he kind of like was handing it out to Kenny Gamewell and then he pulled it back. And then there's a rusher coming. So Kenny Gamewell's trying to block that guy and Hurts sticks the ball back into Gamewell's gut because he's not expecting it. The ball goes to the ground. It's recovered by the Bills. Brutal first half for the Eagles on the offensive side of the ball. He did run seven times on the first half, 22 yards, had a brotherly shove touchdown. And then the interception came on a play that was a lot like the play against Miami. He's doing where this. It's driving me insane. Yeah, yeah, the free rusher was coming right at him. He can't throw right he at just the tried guy. To, he tried to throw through him, and the guy bat. it was Leonard Floyd in this case. Guy bats it, and it lands in the arms of Terrell. Oh, man, I'm forgetting these Bills players' names already. But the linebacker, Terrell, whatever it is. Um and it's another turnover because he tried to throw the ball through an oncoming rusher. So uh, lesson not, not learned on that one. And in the second half, totally Terrell Bernard. Sorry, that's his name. And in the second half, totally different story. Uh, 14 of 20, 167 yards, three passing TDs, no interceptions. He ran seven times for 43 yards. And obviously the game winning touchdown uh, in overtime made big, made, you know, made good decisions, big time throws uh, in the second half. The throw to Devontae Smith, the touch pass. In, not only in between three defenders, but also placed it in a spot where Devontae could go back away from an oncoming safety who was going to light him up and did light him up anyway, but wasn't as bad because of, of where Hertz placed it, allowed Devontae to reach back, you know, not take the hit to his face, basically, and just kind of took a hit in the back instead. Devontae Smith's body control, by the way, on that play and just in general, insane the way that he can twist and turn and make catches and, and just control his body like that. And then obviously the other big play is Hurst extends the play, leaks out to the left. Remember when he couldn't roll to his left and throw when going that way? Oh, that's over. He can do that now just fine. And he rolled to his left, found Alameda Zacchaeus, who wasn't totally open. He was, you know, Micah Hyde was, was certainly there. But Jalen Hurts puts him in a spot where only OZ can get it. And OZ went up and made a great play on that play. And one thing I'll note on that OZ play before I, you know, just real quick uh, while I'm still talking about Jalen Hurts is, you know, all the target, you know, the major- the vast majority of the targets are going to go to obviously to AJ Brown, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard when he's healthy. And the idea for like Quez Watkins and guys like that in the past were like, you, when you get these opportunities, you got to make the most of them. And Quez kind of hasn't done that. And OZ certainly did in that case where Hurts uh, went to him on a, on a, on a, you know, on a broken play and he made a play. And, you know, after the, this game was over, um, just the outpouring of respect and admiration for Jalen Hurts by the rest of uh, his teammates was overwhelming. He's now won eight straight regular season games where he's faced a deficit of 10 points, which is just insanity that that, that is a stat that exists in 2023. Um, you know, he's been a big part of the MVP conversation. Um, you know, the, the stats in this game certainly won't wow anyone. They're not going to blow anyone away. But what he means to this football team and what he means to their now 10-1 and record, you know, kind of can't be understated. I think Jalen Hurts is really bad in the first half. I don't think that's debatable. He had a 7.0 no. passer rating. But also, mm-hmm. like, I saw a lot of ire for Brian Johnson. And I get it. I don't think Brian Johnson had a great first half. And the Julio Jones third and 14 screen on the Terrible first ball. drive of the second half is pathetic. 
Yeah. I'm not saying Brian Johnson is above reproach as someone who was on Brian Johnson Island, but like, I don't care that the, the coordinator isn't having a great, the quarterback that you paid $51 million a year cannot have a 7.0 passer rating. And to his credit, Jalen Hurts did majorly step it up in the second half. Like he needed to, I wasn't worried by the way. It's like when Jalen Hurts had that bad first half, because he's done this before, I wasn't worried that he couldn't have a good second half, but still calling it out for what it is it was a very bad first half especially because Mm -hmm. like you can't say oh well it's raining like josh allen had a very good first half rain wasn't affecting him uh so i i definitely think hertz was bad in the first half but you mentioned those throws you went into detail on those i just i really like the throw to Devonte in part because like i just like got got it right over that underneath defender but still kept it down enough for where Devontae could make the play you know i think you could see a quarterback sail the ball there a little bit because they're too worried about that underneath his accuracy has gotten so much better from his first year until now it's i mean from year one to year two to year three to to now just a far more accurate passer now than he's ever been 100 percent um he was awesome and honestly did anyone have doubt when he was in the uh, situation to have to get a game tying field goal potentially you know mm-hmm. even go for the kill shot if they're able to get a touchdown there i didn't have any doubt i don't think anyone did same thing in overtime when the eagles got the ball after the bills kicked the field goal i'm like eagles are probably gonna yeah, go game. down yep and <laughs> yeah. barring a turnover you know the turnovers have been an issue but i i feel like he's gonna go down and as it was happening like yeah felt like it was gonna happen and um I really liked the the clip the Eagles released of Brandon Graham, who was like, talking trash during the uh, Bills field goal in overtime, where he was like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know, you're kicking this, but you don't know Jalen Hurts like we do. You don't know Jalen Hurts like I do. Uh, and he's right. I don't think the, the Bills didn't know Jalen Hurts like the Eagles do. And Jalen Hurts led the team to victory. And the way I phrased it to RJ in the mixtape today was like the one score stuff, winning these close games, there's obviously luck involved with that in terms of being able to win them. But it is not luck that the Eagles have been able to rally back in these games in that, like they have a belief in themselves and Jalen hurts is a big reason for that. He is both. I think the juxtaposition between his intensity as a competitor and his will to win and the calmness he has is like really interesting to me. He's somehow able to balance those things. He wants to win so bad, yeah. but he doesn't like get like, you know, Nick Sirianni and become like a psycho. He just keeps entirely composed and calm. So I give Jalen Hurts a lot of credit for, you know, getting this team back in it in the second half. Obviously, I think you have to give Brian Johnson, who I just mentioned, some credit too. There were some really good play designs. The touchdown to Devontae was like what? It was like a fake screen they had set up. Um, the touchdown mm-hmm. pass to AJ Brown was set up by that play where they have Jack Stoll coming across the formation that they had just a couple plays earlier. So there was some stuff there that you could see was nice offensive design and not just the case of less so offensive design on the Alameda Zacchaeus touchdown is where it's, you know, that's just Jalen Hurts making like a backyard kind of play there. Um, so yeah, I mean, Hurts was great. And there's a lot of discourse out there like, Jalen Hurts shouldn't even be the MVP or he's a pathetic MVP. They're 10 and 1. They win. I know some of it has been fortune, but like, I just think people, I don't think Eagle Sands, I've talked about that. I think Eagle Sands have taken to some extent the success this season for granted. 
think people around the NFL are too. Like it's not easy to win ten. It's not easy to win ten out of eleven games. I don't care how you do it. It's very hard to do. He's just a winning player. Is is really all that goes into it. And um, you know, you mentioned his stoicism um, during games and whatever. Even when Jake Elliott, and we'll get to Jake Elliott in a second. Even when he hit the the fifty nine yarder to send it to overtime, just Jalen Hurts just sitting on the bench. Emo- emotionless. Well, he kind of like shook his Jason head. Kelsey too, by the way. I think he was upset, yeah. you know, that they didn't score the touchdown. Yeah, right. But but he also knows in that moment that the game isn't right. over. Like there's work to be done. Yes. So he's not celebrating yeah. the field goal. He knows that like they have to still win this game in overtime. That kind of remind me of the Super Bowl a little mm. bit when uh, BG had the had the strip sack, and you see Nick Foles celebrating on the sideline for like a hot second. And then he kind of realized, oh, work to yep. be done. <laughs> like he got a he got a serious face back on, put his helmet on, and you know went back back out to the field. Um, so that reminded me of Hurts a little bit, but except in this case, Hurts Hurts didn't celebrate at all. But I, I don't. Can, should we move to Jake Elliott here now? Like that field goal. He's the, he's the best kicker. He's the best kicker in the NFL now. He is. Justin Tucker's slipping. Justin Tucker's at like 80.8% from field goals this year. He's had a down year, at least relative to his standards. I think Jake is the best kicker in the NFL now. In the wind, uh, in the rain, wind in his face. It wasn't a heavy wind, but there was wind in his face. And, uh, you know, in the rain, obviously, he's got to hit the ball a little higher up in those situations to get more of it. And you're going to get a little bit more of a line drive effect. And it's it's harder to control those left to right. He had a similar kick. Uh, earlier this year against the Vikings, if you recall, when he hit the 61-yarder. That was also into the wind uh, at the end of the first. That wasn't as big a kick in terms of, um, you know, winning or losing or whatever, but that was at the end of the first half. Well, it was farther, uh, of too. Course he hit, it was two yards further, yeah, and also into the wind. So, like, it's normally a field goal they would never try, but it was an end-of-first-half mm-hmm. situation. So, they're like, screw it. Maybe we make it. Maybe we don't. Who cares? Um, and then the 54-yarder in overtime, obviously a, a clutch kick to beat the Commanders uh, week four. And he's just had an insane number of holy crap kicks over his career. You know, obviously the 61-yarder against the Giants, the Super Bowl year was a huge one. Uh, you know, later that year he hit it just a, one, of the, one of the colder days in Philly that I remember against uh, the then Oakland uh, Raiders that season. Yes. He had, a, he had a, a big time kick at the end of that game. And then the Super Bowl when, you know, when he, like, if he misses that field goal, then Tom Brady and the Patriots probably go down and score. And the Eagles don't have a Lombardi trophy yet. Like, Dallas Cowboy fans and Giants fans and Commanders fans are all still making fun of the Eagles for no Super Bowl rings. Obviously, you don't hear that anymore. I haven't heard that in six years. So that's a huge kick, obviously. He, he says that's his biggest kick ever and he's right i'm sure um but this kick he said was actually the hardest kick that he's ever made in his career and that says something given the number Mm. of crazy kicks that he's made he's incredibly clutch i'm sure he'll be the nfc uh team uh, special teams player of the week for like what the third or fourth Mm. time this season he's having a at the least a pro bowl season if not an all pro season this year um he's been excellent he's been clutch it's really Clutch is such like a weird thing to talk about, you know, in sports. It seems like subjective. There's a lot of um it's it's always been silly to me because like is a player who is so dominant that he clearly blows out the competition 
not clutch just because he didn't keep it closer and then won in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like it's a specific kind of thing. Like I always hate that stat with Tony Romo back in the day or other quarterbacks where it's like, well, they're so good at fourth quarter comeback drives. <laughs> and it's like, well, right. part of the problem there is, and I know this has been an issue for the Eagles too. Like you're down, you're, you're playing poorly at some point to get down. Good thing that you're good at coming back from it, but don't get down. So um, clutch is a weird thing to me, but it's true. He's clutch. Jalen Hurts is clutch. The team is clutch. They're just, they're a clutch team and their kicker is part of it. And now I know like a lot of people have been like, is Jake Elliott the best kicker in Eagles history? Yeah, he is. I mean, again, yeah, not even a discussion. I, that's not yeah. even a discussion. And also, yeah, to me, it's, is he the best kicker in the NFL? And I think he has a case. On the, uh, as long as we're talking about Jake Elliott and, you know, there are bigger things from this game, but special teams unit as a whole, yeah were awesome. And then Jalen Carter as a blocked field goal, Britton Covey as an 18 yard uh, punt return. He's now third in the NFL in punt return average. Oh, I saw him second. Uh, Braden Mann. Oh, second. Well, okay. So there's another guy. Maybe he doesn't have enough qualified. Gotcha. He doesn't have enough punt returns. Uh, I think the guy from the Chargers. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Um, uh, Braden Mann had like a, like almost a 55 yard punting average and with no touchbacks. He had a big game. Uh, for a punter, if you want to call it that, <laughs> the coverage units were all good and uh, no penalties uh, on special teams. I think the Bills had either two or three special teams penalties in yeah. that game. Je- Michael Clay, I mean, a, a big issue that they had last year was special teams, especially like weeks one through right around now, mm-hmm. like right around one through 12 or 13. There, are, There's a play that happened in most games where you go, OK, at some point it's like a special teams f up is gonna it's gonna lose them a game and then like they got better there nothing happened between like right around now to the end of the regular season first two games of the playoffs nothing happens and then sure enough super bowl comes around aaron sipos shanks a punt and Kadarius tony returns it you know inside the five no need to relitigate all that but um yeah the special teams units not only were great in this game but have been really good all year and you know i think a lot of people um, thought that Michael Clay should not have retained his job. You and I certainly talked a lot about how, like, oh, you got it. They not only brought him back, but they gave him a raise yeah. too. <laughs> like, really? But uh, he's had a phenomenal season with uh, the special teams unit, and and does deserve a mention. Even in Week One, like the, against the Patriots, they I thought they had some issues, and thought you know it was going to be another season where the special teams unit was yeah. an issue. But hey, uh, apologies to Michael Clay, who's done a great job. Jimmy tweeted this out on Tuesday morning. According to DVOA, the Eagles have the number one ranked special teams unit in the league. How about that? Mm. That's pretty good. Crazy. That's pretty. Those ha- that hasn't happened since the days of like Dave Fipp, early Chip Kelly era. Yeah. yeah so, um, hats off to Michael. Clark. They spent half their practice working. On, they'd spend, and they better have been because they spent half their practice on special and teams. And they'd spend <laughs> roster resources on pure special teams players. You know, like Brian Brayman and Chris Marigos. So, um, yeah, shout out to Michael Clay. Um, okay, we have a lot more to get to from this game, but we should take a break here. So we will do that. We will be back after this. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. 
For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Back here on BGN Radio, which is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Holidays are coming up. You need a stocking stuffer? Need a great gift idea? Why not? Go to RightToSellin.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order for the finest meat snacks in the land. The number one meat snacks as voted on by God. Uh, go to RightToSellin.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order today. Same discount code works at WildRangerPet.com for 15% off dog treats. Okay, Jimmy. Uh, next up for me is i thought kind of a weird thing to say maybe after the eagles gave up 505 yards and 34 points but the defense did a really good job in the first half especially keeping this game ultimately within reach when the offense outside of one nice touchdown drive wasn't doing anything um they very much kept the game in reach and the only two touchdown drives they allowed in the first half were directly off of Eagles offensive turnovers on short fields. One was like a 29, another one was like the 34 or so, like very short fields. Now, obviously, the defense can do a better job of tightening up and not allowing touchdowns, but they were probably allowing like field goals on both of those, even if they did do a good job. So, um, and also the Bills had uh, 5.5 yards per play in this game. Like the 505 yards number looks a little worse than I think it really is from a standpoint of you played in overtime, so there was going to be more yards. Mm-hmm. And right. the Eagles on this defense was on the field for like 92 snaps or something. They were on the field for so many freaking <laughs> right. plays um, that like they're going to allow a lot of yards by that nature. The Bills entered this game averaging six yards per play. That's third. That was third most in the NFL. The Eagles only allowed 5.5, so they allowed, you know, uh, they, they kept the, the Bills under their average. I thought that was nice. And they did it despite the fact they lost Zach Cunningham at one point. They lost Fletcher Cox during the game. Milton Williams already wasn't playing, so that was putting, putting a burden on the defensive tackles. Jalen Carter got banged up, um, was ultimately able to finish the game, come back in, but he missed a couple yeah. snaps there. Um, Jordan Davis made an incredible effort to hustle out and get Josh Allen out of bounds on what was ultimately the series that the Bills had to settle for the field goal in overtime there. So, you know, like, I thought it was a really, you know, not, it's not like a gold star game for the defense. And obviously Josh Allen had his way. But I think part of that is just because he's Josh Allen. Like, I I think there were plays where the Eagles had, at least from Sean Desai's standpoint, like, Sean Desai did as much as he possibly could have. And Josh Allen just made an even better play because he's a really good player. He was a beast as a runner in this game too. Uh, you know, his one touchdown run was particularly impressive when he got Reed Blankenship. Who's a great uh, tackler. On a tackle. And, yeah. And uh, just a great run by, by Allen on that. And he's just avoiding pressure all game, getting out of sacks. Um, on the Jordan Davis tackle that you mentioned, I mean, his college um, – his, you know, his college performances were littered with those kinds of plays where he was able to run sideline to sideline. So it's it's cool to see that translate now to the NFL against one of the premier running quarterbacks in the NFL. Like you would think that Josh Allen would, would have no problem running away from a 340 pound defensive tackle, but nope. Like he was not only right on him, but like gained ground on him uh, as Josh Allen tried to 
turn the corner on the sideline. And Jordan, like Jordan Davis, didn't just tackle him or didn't just chase him out of bounds. He he got his he got his hand on his foot and caused him to you know fall out of bounds. Just an incredible play for a guy that size and his athleticism and that late for, in the game for, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, one of the big concerns for, for him coming out of college was stamina um, and not durability so much, but uh, endurance and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, I mean, for him to play the number of snaps that he did, he and J- Jalen Carter both played more snaps in this game by far than any other game they have uh, in their Eagles careers. I think Jordan Davis played 18 more snaps than he ever has, and I think Carter played 25 more snaps uh, in this game than, than he has so far this year. So they had to play way more, as you mentioned, with Cox out and, and Milton Williams out. And I thought they were up to the challenge. Uh, you know, th- those guys play, played well in the middle of the defense. They also lost Zach Cunningham for a bit during this game. And they don't, right now they only have two healthy linebackers. I mean, well, I guess we'll find out later this week what, you know, what Zach Cunningham's health status is, but he left and didn't return. So to be determined if if you know he'll be able to play Hamstring, we should uh, know. Sunday with the 49ers. Yeah. Um, and those are difficult to come back from in a timely manner. Usually when you have, you know, those kinds of soft tissue injuries, they linger. Like even if you do come back and play, you're not gonna be hundred percent typically. So they only have the two healthy linebackers. Uh Shaq Leonard visited with the Dallas Cowboys reportedly today. I just saw John Clark mention um, like while you were talking <laughs> just a couple of minutes ago that, uh, he's the, the, it's not, it's not a hard report that he's visiting with the Eagles tomorrow, but sort of like, that's the, that's the plan is for Shaq Leonard to visit with the Eagles mm-hmm. tomorrow. And this is a weird situation in that it's not like one team is going to offer more money yes. than the other because he's already getting paid by the Colts. So anything that, the Eagles or Dallas agree contract wise is offset by the money that the Colts owe him. So it's going to his from, from Leonard's perspective, it's going to be a decision purely on where does he want to be mm-hmm. as a, like the money won't factor in to this situation. So, you know, what are the things that he's going to care about? Um, I don't know. I Same mean, time. like I, I think the primary, you know, what, what kind of role is he expected to have? And I think with Cunningham out, mm-hmm. the Eagles can probably offer him, you know, I think they'll be careful to prop you know, about over-promising uh, a player that's not currently on their roster and they haven't really gotten a great look at. But um, you know, I think they, I think he can look at, like, Nicholas Morrow and Christian Ellis and kind of say to himself, I'll play over those guys. <laughs> like, so, and the Dallas, you know, Dallas Cowboys have uh, their issues as well. Uh, at linebacker, obviously, so we can probably maybe do the same thing with them. But um, you're such a loser if you if you sign with the Cowboys, like they're like, they're second in the division, like directly, like what do you do? You know what I mean? Like if you're Shaq Leonard, you get a chance at an extra bye week, the first round bye with the Eagles potentially. Yeah, and he has a history with Nick Sirianni. They were together at Indianapolis. Nick Sirianni didn't coach him directly; he was. Uh, what what job did he have there when when Shaq Leonard was offensive was coordinator? There? I guess he would have been the offensive coordinator. But what was it? What was he before that? And he was, or was he always just he the was only their offensive coordinator in Indy? He was okay. like you know wide right. receivers coach and stuff in uh, San Diego. Okay, yeah, all right. So he's not coaching Shaq Leonard directly. Obviously, being a linebacker, 
Um, but, uh, you know, as we mentioned in the previous podcast, Jack Leonard stood up for Nick Sirianni after he was getting, you know, made fun of nationally for his opening press conference. We won't get into all that again. But, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see which of these – and I guess the Vikings are in the mix too. Yeah. He's not going to the Vikings. Yeah. Like, come on. Again, if, big time if he loser. watched the Vikings Bears game on Monday Night Football, like there's no way he's going to that team. So it'll be interesting to see which which of these two teams he chooses. And the Eagles could use him. I mean, obviously, as I just mentioned, that they're they're down two linebackers. Uh, there's a report that uh, Dallas Goddard could potentially be back for this game. We'll see the original timetable for like a, a like. A good case scenario was that he would miss four weeks. So this would be the fourth week. So like the original, like a good case scenario, he would not be ready for this game against the 49ers, but maybe he will be. Um, And then Lane Johnson, who of course was the surprise uh, omission from this game, from, you know, the Bills game woke up with groin soreness and, you know, leading up the game time, it was like, holy crap. Because you look at like their record over the years with Lane Johnson and without him since 2016, they were 10 and 22 in games that Lane Johnson didn't start. Uh, the one game this year that Lane missed uh, quite a bit of was against the Jets. He only played nine snaps in that game. Jack Driscoll got absolutely destroyed in that game, and the Eagles lost that game. And then, you know, first snap of the game, Driscoll gets dusted inside by Leonard Floyd. And it's like, uh Oh, here we go again. Like this is going to be a big problem the entire game. And then Jack Driscoll turned it around. Actually had a really good game. Like he played really well at right tackle in this game. And, uh, you know, good for him to, to have a, a sort of a bounce back performance after he played so poorly against the Jets. Big time credit to Jack Driscoll. He didn't allow a single pressure according to PFF after that one on the first play by their charting. Mm-hmm. He, um, I thought, he was going to be a disaster. I was tweeting about how the Eagles needed to start Fred Johnson or Tyler Steen because I think they should have. If he if he ended up playing like the, he did against the Jets, I think that would have been the correct call. Um, but credit to Jack Driscoll, who on short notice, mind you, had to step in and um, played well. As a pass blocker, I think more so. I think you know it was evident that the Eagles couldn't really run the ball successfully over that way as much. And I think mm-hmm. it's fair to note that you know, again, not practicing at right tackle that might kind of hurt with that a little bit in terms of, you know, getting the timing down with the run blocking and whatnot. Um, yeah, I will note, by the way, on Shaq Leonard, good note here from Josh Tolentino, who uh, tweeted about how he when he did the profile on Devonte Smith after his rookie season, um, you know, like he did, he went to a training session where Devonte was at and three people were there uh, at this training session. It was Devonte a trainer and Shaq Leonard. So there's a connection huh. there. Um, he also noted that Josh Sweat arrived at that gym as well. So, you know, maybe there's uh, some player familiarity in there as well. Maybe Devonte can, uh, you know, convince Shaq to sign in Philly. We'll see. <laughs> it's a nice little fun connection. Yeah. I mean, they, they need him. Not, not even because like, I think Shaq Leonard can make be like a difference maker for them. But like you said, they're just so light there. I mean, even if Cunningham is back, you're worried about could he get re-injured? And then even if he's fully healthy, okay, you only have Christian Ellis behind the, the yeah. Cunningham and Morrow. That's just not enough. So I, I, I think, you know, again, I, I said 
last week when this came up as a possibility makes all the sense in the world from the Eagles angle. It's just a matter of Shaq Leonard thinking it makes sense for him and the role and everything. So uh, I do think they need him. Um, there was the there was the report, I guess, like Jerry Jones. I don't know if it was a, a radio appearance or if he talked to media or whatever, but uh, he was quoted as saying like, uh, you know, part of the selling point to De- to Shaq Leonard is uh, the quote unquote Cowboys aura. Hmm. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, Cowboys aura. Well, uh, you haven't been to an NFC Championship game in in a quarter of a century. <laughs> what what aura are you talking about? You're a second place a team in your own that. division. A lot of teams watch the Cowboys on TV. Well, a lot of people watch the Eagles on TV, too. I agree. By the way, the Eagles just announced they waived Josiah Scott. So another little breadcrumb, you know, freeing up mm. a roster spot. Um, they better do that, done that anyway because they also have Justin Evans potentially able to return. Yeah. But, hey, um, maybe it's for Shaq Leonard. So a nice little extra breadcrumb as we go here. <laughs> Uh, anything they're like they're they're, 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 they're they're like making a place at the table for yeah. him for when he visits like we got we're ready for right you now it's, we can literally we can sign it right, right now find it find the date. Right. uh <laughs> anything else that you want to talk about from this game yeah a lot <laughs> uh yeah so uh all right so we just kind of did lane there james bradbury mm. who is trash by the way according to uh, Debo Samuel during the offseason. Did you see this? Where and we'll get to this during the, the 49ers preview, but he was given a chance to say, Do you still feel that James Bradbury is trash? And he is like, uh, I meant what I said, or something like that. He's kind of standing there, arms folded, looking kind of annoyed, I guess, that he was being asked about it. And he's like, Yeah, I'm, I, I meant what I said. <laughs> so he basically doubled down it's on so going James Bradbury to trash. a player who James Bradbury's not like a trash talker. Like, I, I just don't understand where this James Bradbury hate comes from. He's a totally uh, like he's... pros pro, um, nice guy, respectable, took accountability yeah. after you know he committed the pen. Like, what is what is there to clown on him about? He was second team all pro last year. That's a trash player. <laughs> really good dude for sure and he made a hell of a play because uh on on his interception of josh allen he's i don't know if he's necessarily um feigning man coverage uh on the outside because he was there was a the receiver out there i don't if i recall i don't think it actually was a wide receiver i think it was uh like a running back maybe or uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's it, But the look pre-snap, you would think, okay, this might be zone. So I don't know if uh, Josh Allen thought that James Bradbury was just bailing into maybe some kind of like cover three technique or something like that. Um, but whatever, whatever Josh Allen thought was the coverage on that play was as a result of the way that James Bradbury immediately bailed at the snap, but I had every intention of jumping the out route by uh, by Stefan Diggs, who was lined up in the slot on that, and just baited uh, Josh Allen into that throw. And also, like, you also have to make the play uh, after, like, you successfully get the quarterback to do what you want him to do. You also have to make that. And he made a great play to jump in front of uh, Diggs and, and make the interception. That was a game-changing play because they're down 21, excuse me, 24-21 at that point. The Eagles score a touchdown on the ensuing possession. The Eagles were up, I guess, seven nothing early in this game, but you know the the game kind of got away from them a little bit, 
and this was their first lead uh, of the game since that had happened. So a huge play by James Bradbury, and he hasn't had the best year. Like, he's been fine, but he hasn't been the same level of player that he was in 2022, and this was a huge play, and, you know, good for him to, to be able to make that kind of play in, in such a crucial He game. also had five passes defensed at five yeah that's a crazy number yeah you know how many he had coming into this game less than six. that so like he almost doubled six, his season okay. total i could be wrong about <laughs> right. this maybe i'm making too much of one game i wonder if this is a turn the corner kind of performance for him maybe you know like goes on a little bit maybe getting into a rhythm because especially early on in the year he was being moved into the slot he had to miss a game due to a concussion and, you know, that's obviously a very serious injury and hard to kind of quantify the impacts of head trauma. Um, but I wonder, you know, after the bye week and everything, if things might be going on, the light on a little bit for James Bradbury. Kind of wonder about that. thought Darius Slay also played a good game, speaking on quarterbacks. But we should really get to someone we're remiss to not mention until now. Someone with the best initials in the world, Brandon Lee Graham. <laughs> I mean, I love that in BG's game where he became the Eagles player with the most regular season games ever played for the franchise, which I think is very fitting. Because I think, as I've said before, Brandon Graham, he's not the best Eagle ever, but he is like the most Eagle ever. He's the most Eagle Eagle. He's he's an all-time mm-hmm. Eagle. And I, I think he should be like on, if you're talking about Eagles Mount Rushmore, I think he should be on there. Again, not just because not if you're just talking about best players, but just what it means to be an Eagle, the story, the impact, making the biggest play in franchise history. It's not the Philly special. It's the strip sack of Tom Brady. Like, Brandon Graham is awesome. He had a huge sack in this game. Really, in two out of the Eagles' last three games, he should have had, like, the game-sealing kind of sack if the offense did their job. In the Cowboys game, he gets that sack late in the game. The offense does their job. Cowboys don't get the ball back again. And... In this game, there was still a lot of time to really for the uh, Bills to not get the ball back again. But still, the offense could have went down and scored a touchdown and gone up two possessions and kind of like put the game out of reach. Or at the very least, they could have gone and gotten like a field goal, taken some time off the clock and, you know, put themselves in a stronger position. They didn't. They went three and out. So, you know, tough. But it wasn't his fault. You know, Brandon Graham did his part. And BG now... um, after only having a half a sack, one tackle for loss, and three quarterback hits combined in his first eight games. Now the Eagles are relying on him a little bit more since they are really just going with Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick heavily, a little too heavily for my liking. Um, but now that he's playing a little bit more, he's taking advantage of those snaps. And in his last three games, he has two and a half sacks, two tackles for loss, and three quarterback hits. So I just talked about it with James Bradbury there in terms of the light going on. I wonder if Brandon Graham might be heating up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he didn't start uh, collecting sacks last year until around this time, actually. Um, And, you know, we've started to see him heat up a little bit here, uh, as you mentioned. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's like my favorite person that I've ever covered. Um, I guess my first year covering the team was 2013, the same year as Chip. And he's been like my favorite person to cover uh, over the decade plus that I've covered the team. He's just a great, great person. Uh, and you've all seen like a lot of the things that he's done or whatever. And uh, But yeah, he's, he's, and he's a great player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had the uh, early adversity in his career, obviously. You know, people were upset that uh, the Eagles didn't draft Earl Thomas. And then, you know, after the fact, 
Uh, a lot of people were pointing to some of the good things that, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul was doing earlier in his career. You don't hear anything about Jason Pierre-Paul anymore. You don't hear anything about Earl Thomas anymore. Uh, Brandon Graham has become sort of a beloved figure here in Philadelphia and rightfully so. Earl Thomas hasn't played since 2019, man. It's 2023. Brandon Graham's still going strong. Yeah, and he was Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Earl Thomas. Yeah, so, like, he had a phenomenal career. And he at his best, he's better than any other sure. show than, than Brandon Graham was at any other at, at any time in his career. But Graham's had more longevity and he's had, you know, I mean, he Brent, Earl Thomas, I don't know exactly what he did in, you know, the the big games that, that the Seahawks played uh in the playoffs. Obviously, he has a Super Bowl ring in his own right. Uh I don't know what he did in those games, but uh Brandon Graham, obviously, as you mentioned, has the biggest play in Eagles history and good for him for that. Devontae Smith also huge in this game. He, um, yep. Like you talk about like the light going on, yep. Heating up right now. Last uh, four games 26 targets for 23 receptions, 355 yards. (laughs) That's a 15.4 average, three touchdowns, and a 157.2 passer rating when targeted. Like that's that's efficiency. That is, they couldn't be more, it's hard to be more efficient than he's been. He has been awesome. I think it's very clear that teams are dedicating extra attention to AJ Brown as they should and trying to take him away yep. and daring someone else to beat him. And I think it's become even easier for teams to do that with Dallas Goddard missing time. So who do you have step up Devonte Smith? And he un- very unsurprisingly, it's not a shock. He's, he's, we know he's a great player, but I think when he goes into a dry spell every once in a while, People like to be like, well, this is why AJ Brown is way better than Devontae Smith. And I'm not trying to pin the two against each other, but there are times when, you know, it, it is going to go a little bit dry there for AJ. And Devontae reminds you, he is very much a wide receiver one. You can say AJ's better or whatever. The point is, Devontae Smith is a number one wide receiver on a team that has two number one wide receivers. Yeah, no doubt. And you mentioned the 355 yards on 26 targets. 13.8 yards per target <laughs> yards for target not yards for catch yards for target so yeah i mean uh good things have, have happened when uh john hurts has gone his way okay let's take another break here um will we, jimmy you send us the break back after this another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy. What do you want to talk about now? Um, and why is it Kristen Roach? Roach Realtors. They have gotten, they have, okay, yeah, we can do that. Uh, 856-906-9295 is where you can find Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Uh, wrote it on by God as the best realtor in the history of the universe, as we all know. Uh, 856-906-9295 if you are looking to buy or sell your home. Uh, the Chiefs had a chance to put the Eagles away uh, a couple weeks ago, and the Bills certainly had their chances as well. Mm, let's be fair. The Eagles have gotten lucky <laughs> to some degree against each of these teams. 
like, you know, the Marquez Valdez Scantling drop, uh, which, you know, would have put the Chiefs ahead. Doesn't necessarily mean they would have won that game if, if uh, MVS uh, makes that play. The Eagles would have gotten the ball back, certainly could have gone down and scored. And then in this game, happened a little earlier in the game, not necessarily late, but James Cook just has a, has, who did he beat on that play? Was that? Uh, that was Morrow that trailing. Morrow? And uh, ball goes right. It should have been a touchdown. Ball goes right through his hands, and they don't score on that drive. The Bills. So yeah, I mean that's a big play. And ultimately, what happens is if you have a chance to put the Eagles away when you have them on the ropes, and you don't do it, you let them hang around. They're gonna come back and beat you because that's just what they do over and over again so far this year. Last year, there's more blowouts uh, in the Eagles' favor. This year, there's been a lot more close games, and the you know, teams have had chances to to put it you know, to, to kind of step on their throat and put them away. Just haven't been able to do it, and the Eagles find a way to crawl back and win these games, and they've done it consistently. And the other thing I'll note too, like during this quote unquote gauntlet, uh, as it's been called uh, over and over, you know, of course we all don't know the teams by now: Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, and then Cowboys again. And we'll get into this more in the preview too, but. Um, you know, they go from Kansas City on Monday night, travel back in the wee hours of the morning on Tuesday, have a short week to play this Bills team. As you mentioned earlier, they play almost 100 snaps on defense. Now they've got to play the 49ers who have a mini bye. They have extra rest to play the, to play this Eagles team. 49ers are a physical team. Eagles will get through that game, and then they got to play on the road in Dallas, who then they also have a, a mini bye heading into that game. It's just insane, this stretch of games that they have. What I'll say about that, it's all hard and and it's you know they they're three and zero through this really hard stretch so far. But what the point that I'll make like once they get through it, no matter what path they have through the playoffs and Super Bowl included, if they get that far, there is not a stretch of games that's going to be harder than right. this one that they're in right now. Battle tested, like you know, forged through the fire, iron sharpens iron, whatever you want. Like that's I think that's a big opportunity. Yeah. And if they do happen to pull these games off. That's really like you people that context needs to be added. It's not just that, that they beat the, those teams. It's that they beat them while being very disadvantaged in some ways. <laughs> yes. So, um, I mean, that's very much incredible if they can do it. We'll see if they can do it. Um, uh, again, I do think the Bills win was impressive from a standpoint of you talked about it short week. No lean Johnson on short notice. He's been like one mm-hmm. of your most valuable players. Very. Uh, evidently based on when he does and doesn't play. And then also the fact that I, like I said, the bills were a little better than their record indicated. And more than that, they for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're way better. I mean, now they're, now they're six and six. They're six not and five, the heading in this game. They are way better. They're, they're like heading into this game. I don't know if they still are, but they're, they're fourth and point differential mm-hmm. this year. Like plus one Oh four. Like th- this is not a six and five team. And the version of the bills that they got in this game was sort of like a B plus A minus version of I would say even like A minus version of what that team mm-hmm. is slash can be. So it's not like they got a version of this team that like it dropped some games earlier this year against you know like the game they played against the Giants for example. Yeah, that's like the D version of that team. They did not get that team. They got a a really good version of this team with Josh Allen playing play, play, playing his ass off. So really impressive win. This is not just a win over a six and five and the bills needed this game more. I'm a big believer in like the need this game more thing, or at least being a factor. They needed this game mm-hmm. way more than the Eagles did. So for the Eagles to pull it out, like, again, that's another, another, um, 
feather in their cap, if you will. Feather in their cap? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I'll also, I guess, highlighting some other performances here. DeAndre Swift continues to be huge for this team in a way where it feels like the offense will be stalling. All of a sudden, he breaks a big run, and they're back on track. Yep. That just seems like that continues to be the case where he can just rip off a big run and – Obviously, he gets some good blocking, but at the same time, you could just tell when there are plays where he makes a run that other running backs would not be able to make that same play, or he just you know adds a different level of juice. He had 14 carries for 80 yards in this game, a 5.7 average. Bill's run defense wasn't great, yeah. as we talked about in the preview show, but still, um, really important performance by him. Uh, anyone else? A big 36-yard 30, big run. It sort of jump-started their first TD drive uh, in the second half. They've in oh. the, the run game uh, as a whole, they they kind of they, they stalled there for about a month or so, and then they got it going uh, against the the Chiefs uh, a week ago, and then that continued in this game. 185 rushing yards on 32 carries as a team uh, for 5.8 yards. Jalen Hurts uh, contributed that to contributed to that as well. Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott chipped in i think they uh, combined four carries but uh those those carries went well uh also so yeah deandre swift and i didn't notice this but i forget i can't credit whoever pointed this out on twitter my apologies i don't remember who it was but they pointed out that deandre swift now has more carries this year than he ever has in his in his career uh any one season mm. so um they, they've he's i don't know i guess i don't know what that means necessarily he's He's, I guess, been more durable maybe so far this year, but um, yeah, he, he had a he had a big start to the season, and then, it, like I said, like I said, like for a month or so, he was kind of averaging like two, three yards per carry somewhere in that range. But he's starting to pick it back up. He had a big jet sweep uh, run, you know, against the Chiefs, and then in this game, as you mentioned, like he he, he does give them some juice on occasion, and uh, yeah, I think he's he's turned out to be a, a big time addition. Uh, to this team this off, from from this past off season, I think you when you parse Nick Sirianni, like I, weird to. So when I wrote about him in my article after the game, I included a stat about how he is the third head coach in NFL history to guide his team to ten and one starts or better in consecutive seasons, and the only other two are Tony Dungy and Don Shula. So pretty good company to be in there. Yeah. Um. But like weird game from him. Yeah. Uh, what was the one call that bugged? Oh, I remember. So when they went up three, like their last score in regulation, I was like, and then oh, okay. So on the on the PAT, there was an offsides penalty. This is the PAT after the like, Alameda Zacchaeus touchdown, where they go up yes. twenty. At this point, before the PAT, well, after the PAT. It was twenty-eight to four, but they could have taken the points off the board, right? And enforced right. the yeah. So they could they, they they could have gotten the ball at the one. Yeah, they could have taken the point at off the board. Now they're down three again. You know, run, run a brotherly shove, which nobody can stop. Right, <laughs> gone up five, which doesn't sound like the difference between four and five doesn't sound like much, but it is because it like for a number of reasons. Like if if you get a stop and you kick a field goal, now you're up eight, and in this case. The Bills go down, they score a touchdown. And if you had been up five, now you're forcing them to go for two, right. to go up three. But they score, and now they're down two. So they kick the PAT, they go up three. 
And okay, so maybe they get the two point conversion anyway. Maybe they don't. If they don't, when you, on your ensuing drive, yeah. maybe that Jake Elliott field goal is a walk off, right. as opposed to just a game tying field goal that gets you overtime. So I thought that was a tactical error, in my opinion, uh, by the Eagles. I, I don't know if that's if it's Nick making that. I guess it's make, Nick making that decision, but um, I don't know. We will never know the dynamics of like how hard the, the analytics guy in his ear is pushing for him to go for two in that situation or whatever, or not or whatever. So, uh, but I thought it was a pretty clear cut decision. You have a play that nobody can right. stop and the bills, and the play the that nobody can stop that Nick Sirianni brags about in his post game <laughs> press conference. Nobody can stop it, even though they know right. it's coming. And they'd already run it a few times against the bills and the bills looked feeble right. in comparison to other teams and trying to stop it. I'd have absolutely taken the point off. The I, was, board and, I thought that and, was and like terrible. I thought that was like, this is a no brainer to me. Yeah. Like I love, and I, it's one of those situations. I think it's really exciting. It's like, you see, Oh, you see the penalty on the, on the PAT. You're like, Oh, like you must be, you have to get fired up about that. So it's like, here's a free point, <laughs> right. you another free point to add. Um, so yeah, I thought that was kind of demoralizing too. If you get exactly it, like to the other team, and yeah. like you said, you force them, and maybe they don't get the two point conversion. And all of a sudden, yeah, you're in a great spot. All of a sudden, you don't have to go to overtime. Um, there's a situation where, you know, they go to overtime. The Bills did win the coin toss, and then Jalen Hurts never touches the ball again. Really, you wanted that to happen over going for it with your unstoppable play for a yard? Like that doesn't make any sense. I also thought they were kind of a little too conservative playing for the field goal at the end of regulation there. It seemed like once they kind of got like in field goalish range, they were kind of content for playing for the field goal. Yeah. And obviously they didn't plan for Jason Kelsey to have the false starts and that was bad. And he made those mistakes, but even so, like even before that, it just seemed like, all right, we're like, okay, we'll just play for overtime. No, like they had enough opportunity to like try to win the game at that point still. So I didn't like that. And um, the other thing I think is worth noting, and they were talking about this, I think, on the PHOY podcast, like how much, I don't know the answer to this, but how much when we talk about offensive struggle is the script not good? Because the Eagles are struggling, you know, with offense early in games, whereas right. they seem to be adjusting yep. well. Well, like how much of that is Sirianni and putting the script in place and not, not that not being right? How much of that is him? I don't know, but I am wondering that. And um, I think that bolsters your Brian Johnson love, too. Of course. Like not necessarily <laughs> on him that they're getting out to bad starts uh, in these games. But, um, yeah, it is it is a little concerning that they, they, they haven't been as crisp or that, you know, their, their offensive game plans have kind of looked shaky early on. And then when they adjust, they obviously – it's been kind of both that way on both sides of the ball this year, by the way. Like, their defense has obviously been way better in the second half than it has in the first half in a lot of these games. And and certainly, I, I think I saw a stat where the Eagles lead the NFL in points per game in the second half. And it was actually kind of a low number. that It was like they're, they're averaging 14.8 points per game, I think, in the second half, which to me, like, that seems like a low number for like for, for the team that's that's leading the league in that. I, I probably have to fact check that. Maybe I, maybe there's bad info on, on Twitter out there or whatever. But anyway, getting back to Nick Sirianni, like, He's ten and one now this season. As you mentioned, he got out to ten and one last year. If he were to lose eleven straight games, he would still have a better winning percentage than Andy Reid did when he was with the Eagles. Not bad. Uh, I have some quick hitters, if you'll allow me. Okay, I'll let you react to each one. Number one on further right. Brian Johnson defense. 
according to our good friend Shul Kapadia. Through 12 weeks under Brian Johnson, Eagles are fifth in EPA per drive, fourth in success rate, and third in points per game. They averaged 28.4 points per game in Jalen Hurts starts in 2022. They're averaging one point fewer at 27.4 in 2023. And I added the additional context here to Shield stat that in 2022, the Eagles played the second easiest offensive schedule in the league, according to DVOA. This year, that has moved to the 20th easiest schedule. So, mm. something to think about. Panthers fired Frank Wright. Yes. And his name, Brian Johnson's name, popped up immediately as a as a as somebody that that, that they could potentially have yeah Schefter said that if, oh did he mm-hmm. okay I didn't see that but yeah so if he if that were to happen the Eagles get two third round picks right if they lose him as as a minority hire uh you know and and also uh when I was a kid I used to just I used to have like a phone we had two lines in our house I'd call one person and then I'd hit hold while I was ringing and I'd press the other line, and I'd dial another one real quick, and then I'd hit conference call, and I'd hope that, like, the two parties would pick up at the same time, and they'd be confused. <laughs> like, like, did you call me? Did you call me? And I'd just be, like, in the background, holding my finger on mute, like, this is so funny. Well, the Eagles should do that. with If the Eagles get to the Super Bowl again, the Eagles should do that with Brian Johnson and the Panthers and set up another tampering situation. Get even more uh, assets out of that. Not bad. Right. By the way, they get, the two, get the two third round picks and then also get the tampering charge. Do you think the Eagles are going to uh, add Frank Reich to their staff this year? Uh, they had the chance to do it last year and they didn't. So, I don't know. I, I feel like when he got fired, it the con- like the consensus opinion was like, oh, they're definitely going to bring him on as a consultant or whatever. Maybe. I mean, it makes sense. The Panthers have already played the Cowboys and the Seahawks this year. They got their asses kicked by both of them. So, like, maybe the insights that Frank Reich has uh, from those teams isn't great. I don't know, whatever. But they did face them earlier this year and game plan for them uh, earlier this year. So maybe he can uh, help out with those games or whatever. And just, and I'm sure that you know Nick Sirianni could find some kind of use for for mm-hmm. Frank Reich. Well, you know, there's. Uh, you know, obviously they brought in Vic Fangio last year and, and he served as a consultant. Maybe Frank Wright could do the same thing uh, for them this year. But I don't know. Like, I think it could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't because, again, he didn't last year. So I don't know. To be TBD. I think the difference there could be Wright might have gotten an inkling that there was head coach interest in him still as opposed to not going to be the case now after right, he... Yeah, not, not now. Yeah, they're all now. He, yeah. As he's yeah. the first head coach to be fired in back-to-back seasons. Meanwhile... Doug Peterson about to lead the Jags to back-to-back AFC South championships, <laughs> but you know, Frank Reich right. was the real reason the Eagles yeah. won the Super Bowl, and Doug is just a dunce. <laughs> um, so I like that. Okay, uh, other quick hitters I had were Jim Carter blocks a field goal. He is, yep, awesome. He had five pressures in this game, didn't have a sack, um, but was mm-hmm. generating disruption as he normally does. He's your defensive rookie of the year. Stat from Austin Gale. Jalen Carter has a 19% pass rush win rate per PFF. No rookie defensive tackle has had a better mark since PFF started charting the NFL in 2006. That's pretty crazy. Okay. Um, Nolan Smith. I agree. He's awesome. Nolan Smith, I thought, <laughs> yeah. uh, he had two pressures credited in six pass rushing snaps. Let him play. Let him, like, Sweat and Reddick are playing so much. 
They both played over 80 snaps in this game. You 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 drafted no crazy drafted Nolan Smith <laughs> in the first round. Like let him play a little bit. Like he yeah. can handle himself. Let him play a little bit. You have to let him play. Give him a chance. Yeah, I I mean you play over 80 snaps, and uh, the week before they both played. I think uh, was it 60 or 65? They Been a lot they played definitely over 60. Uh, against the Chiefs, and the reality is they're star players, and you don't want to take them off the field when you get into these, you know, sort of um, uh, these these I don't know these gritty, dirty fights of of games, um, and especially when the opposing quarterback is Josh Allen, and he's got uh, he's playing at the top of his game. You don't want to take Josh Sweat or Sam Reddick off the field, so I get that, but and they're probably not going to get a rest until this quote unquote gauntlet is over. Like they're going to play a lot against the 49ers. They're going to play a ton against the Cowboys. Um, hopefully, for the Eagles' sake, once they get past this rough stretch of games, they can give those guys a little bit of a break. But you hope they can make it there because they are playing a ton of snaps. And credit to them for playing hard uh, throughout most of these games and having their biggest moments at the end of these games. Uh, but you know, th- at some point, they're going to start wearing down, and you got to be mindful of that. Julio Jones has been the Eagles wide receiver three the past two weeks in terms of snaps played mm-hmm. and by a considerable margin. Why? Like, what is what is Julio bringing to the table other than seemingly good vibes in the locker room? Alameda Zacchaeus is just like, he's a more useful player. I know they're not the same kind of build and everything. And I you're not going to make, I'm not saying make OZ a feature of the offense, but give him some chances. Like, he's he's a credible target. He's a guy that should probably be thrown to at least once a game to keep defenses honest, to be useful. He's, he's earned it. He's earned like more opportunity, especially don't be playing Quez Watkins over him. He's definitely done way more than Quez has for a long time now. Julio had what? Three targets, one catch, no yards, I think. So um, yeah, I'm with you there. And so, I mean, if you're going to use Julio, fine, but um, I've, I've seen enough of the Julio quick screens. Like, why? And you you mentioned that earlier as uh you know play. That's never that. been his game, right? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Eagles rightfully got criticized for that play call, no doubt. Like, that's if you want to be mad at Brian Johnson, be mad at him for that play. But I agree. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, there's no need to be running that to Julio Jones at this stage of his career. I would like to see a downfield target to Julio Jones. Maybe you're worried about him like blowing out his hammy or something, but it doesn't have to be like 50 <laughs> yards down the field. I mean, you know, even like 20, like, you know, a little bit of a vertical, like, that's yeah. something you want, like a play where, how about this? He can use his size and height. Like Julio Jones has done in the past and like make a contested catch on the sideline or something. I would like to see that at some point, a shot play of some, I don't want to see a screen play. Use him on a shot play. Okay. Yeah. That's actually all I had. Yeah. I think I'm all right. I think I'm going too. Yeah. Well, how about this? The Eagles, not the Eagles, the NFL announced official playoff scenarios. Did you see this? I did not. They announced official playoff scenarios, and the Eagles are the only team that can clinch, I think, this week. Mm -hmm. Um, They have four different scenarios they can clinch under. I'm trying to pull them up here. I had them, and I lost them. Here they are. Yeah. um, I got them. Before the NFL did. Uh, I beat you NFL. Screw well, I asked you if you saw this, and you were like, no. <laughs> well, no, 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 but I had it before the NFL did. Yeah, I've, but I've, like, I've I thought you'd be like, well, I didn't need to see it because I had him. Well, I didn't know where you are going with it. Um, but yeah, so the, basically they got to beat the 49ers, and then there's a bunch of other scenarios. That's like, not true. What, they can lose? They don't have to beat win? the 49ers. No, they can tie. 
Oh, okay. I omitted the tie scenarios. Ties um, matter, baby. They're, they're, of an Eagles of, omitting the tie scenarios with an Eagles win of the 49ers. There's four different scenarios where they can win. Lions lose to the Saints. Rams lose to the Browns. Both of those things have to happen. Scenario number two is the Vikings would have to lose to the Bears last night, which they did, and the Rams lose to the Browns. So really, the the, be, the best case scenario, the best, the most likely scenario is the Eagles beat the 49ers and the Rams lose to the Browns. That's right. all that needs that to is, happen. That's the number or tie, or the Rams can tie. I know you yeah. eliminated ties, but the Rams, if the Rams do not win against the Browns, then and the Eagles win, then they clinch a playoff spot. And obviously, the Eagles are going to make the playoffs, so it's not like. You know, this is the most important thing, but I do think it, it's like it's worth noting along the way. It's cool. Like, OK, you officially made it. You can look at that and be like, nice. We did that. Nice. Um, but yeah, number one, the, the the as listed by the NFL, number one, Eagles win plus Rams loss or tie uh-huh. or number two, Eagles win plus Lions loss and Packers loss or tie. Or number three, Eagles tie, Rams loss, Packers loss or tie, Falcons loss or tie. <laughs> Or scenario number four, <laughs> Eagles tie and Rams lose and Packers lose or tie and Saints lose or tie. So, you know, if you really want to get meaningless, the by the way, because they're going to they're going to be in the playoffs. Like, there's no question they're going to be in the playoffs. I think. Yeah, that, but it's still cool. It's yeah, so cool yeah, to like right. clinch to, in to, week to 13 this early is pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, and they're, they're the only one win team in the not only the only one win, excuse me, win loss the only one loss team in the nfl and there are no teams that even have two losses every other team in the nfl right. has at least three so yeah they're gonna be a team that, that has a chance to clinch early especially in the nfc where you know it's not as good of a conference as the other one okay uh any final thoughts teams yeah i'm looking forward to this uh these next two games of course uh and we'll talk more we'll talk in depth obviously about the Eagles matchup against the 49ers, but it's, it's just so crazy to me that they won't, they don't stop. <laughs> they don't, these, these 49ers players don't stop talking uh, about this is their Super Bowl, by the way, I think like, obviously the, yep. the Cowboys game matters a lot more to the Eagles than this game against the 49ers. It might be, I think there's an argument for the 49ers because um, they're probably the bigger threat for the one seed. Uh, obviously the Cowboys are division rival. Um, and the Eagles have a game in hand against the Cowboys already, so that that factors into it as well, I guess. But yeah, um, but this is their super, the, and they, 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 you know, the 49ers have higher aspirations, so I shouldn't say it's their Super Bowl, but this is certainly at, at a minimum, this is the game that, like, when the schedule came out in May, they circled this game. And remember, like, uh, Kyle Shanahan even said, like, I, he was I in, have an article on bleedingyournation.com of all the 49ers comments from the offseason, uh, yeah. so yes, that's in there. <laughs> Yep. What was it he wanted? He said uh, he was happy. He, he, that he's glad he didn't get the Eagles in week one because he wanted to be healthier, which it's he just, thought they would be. A comment. Oh, I guess they didn't know if Purdy was going to be available for week one. Maybe. maybe, maybe yeah, but like, who's that. to say he couldn't get hurt again or someone else couldn't get hurt or like, <laughs> right. you know, who? what's this? Well, they are going to be way more healthy than the Eagles in this matchup coming up. They don't really have. They have uh, Talanoa Bufanga is out for the year. Right. I don't remember if that was a, an Achilles or an ACL, whatever. But he's done for the year. But other than that, they're a pretty healthy team, so they're they're going to come into this game with you know, with mm-hmm. with way more health than. And I guess we got to see like who's going to be available, or not or not for the Eagles this week. But uh, the Eagles feel like they're limping into this game, whereas obviously the Niners are going to be fresh with the you know the mini buy. 
I am looking forward to this 49ers game for sure. I don't think it's relevant that here's my thing. Here's the the question I posited at the end of my article to spoil it all on bleedingyournation.com. If you're the Eagles, are you really going to let this team with players that called one of your top players trash? Trash. Trash. Uh, well, trash. And then double down on it. Are you really going to let that team come into your house and beat you? Are you really going to allow that? <laughs> right. I know it's not as right. simple as that. Like, it's hard. But, like, are you really, like, have some pride. You're underdogs at home. You're three-point underdogs yeah. at home as a 10-1 team. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. have some pride. Have some pride. Be pissed off. Be offended. Go out there and show. And obviously, you're not winning the Super Bowl here. You might see the Niners again. But, like, make sure that game is in Philly again. And make them try to beat you again. I just think I know the Eagles have some things going against them, and we'll get to our you know preview and matchups and whatever later this week in our BGN Radio preview episode. But that's where my mind's at right now. Is I'm and it's subject to change. I'm not making my official prediction here, but I'm feeling good because I think all of the pressure is on the 49ers, and For I think sure. the Eagles have been granted a lot of ammo to use, and I also think they've been granted a sense of like again just like almost just less pressure and and wait and like just they're they're allowed to be more loose and more free than the 49ers are because i think the 49ers are going to come into this one tight i know it's their super bowl but i think they're putting way too much emphasis on this game just like the cowboys did when they went to play the 49ers and the cowboys were just obsessed with that game and talking about like how much that game mattered and everything and i think there i think there's a, a chance the 49ers kind of get too lost in the sauce there with that and and by the way I know the quarterbacks got hurt, but you t- you talked about this. Eagles were dominating that game before Brock Party got hurt. Yeah, they were dominating in the trenches specifically, and they ultimately dominated that team. So, like the idea that they like can't do it, that shouldn't exist to me. They can do it. They've done it. There's a lot more pressure on the 49ers than there is the Eagles. And to talk about what you said about like upcoming with the Cowboys, the Eagles win this game against the 49ers. I'm gonna feel differently next week when we record. I'm sure. But right now, who cares? Who cares about that Cowboys game? You need to win one of these next two. That's really, that's like the reality. You you don't have to even. There's a scenario where they could lose to both of these teams and still get the one seed. That's not crazy. But like to make sure nothing weird happens and to give yourself that cushion, you just need to win one of these two. So I think if, I think if you have the opportunity, it doesn't work like this. If you had the opportunity to sign up for one of these two wins, I think I would take this one. By the way, like uh, when Josh Johnson went out in that game, so he got hit on a second down um, and went out with the with the concussion. So the next play was a third and really long that they weren't going to convert no matter who was in there, more than likely. And they punted. Mm-hmm. The Eagles scored on the ensuing drive and went up 21 at that point. So by the time, and I think like on, their, on the 49ers' next possession, they didn't go to the running back right away. They put Hurdy back in because – they're insane. Right? So like they put Brock, Brock Purdy couldn't couldn't throw a football, but they put him back in the game for some reason. And but, but by that by, by the time that happened, the Eagles were up twenty one. So this idea right. that the Eagles only won because the the Forty Nineers would play running back and quarterback, well, that didn't happen until they're already down twenty one points. Yeah, they act like it was like on the first play of the game, <laughs> right, right, or like they were up, <laughs> like they were they were crushing the Eagles, and then Brock yes. just happened to get hurt. Which, by the way, as I'm sure we'll point out and will be pointed out many more times, is that it's their fault he got hurt. 
it's not just like bad luck. You asked your backup tight end to block Hassan Reddick. Well, maybe like you deserve not like obviously not rooting for injury, but you're kind of begging your quarterback to get hit right. and thus potentially hurt when you do something dumb like that. It's not just bad luck. And that's the biggest thing about that. Like, I just think there was no accountability. I don't think the 49ers have ever shown accountability for that loss. And there was absolutely a way to express that they were frustrated with the scenario while also still being very respectful and gracious to the Eagles. Like most teams typically are like the Eagles are when they lose, which is rare, but happens. Um, They they've been gigantic losers about this. And if there is anything like karma that exists in the world, the the Eagles will win this game because there was no, like that that team is good. And like, right. That's what I mean. Hats off to them. They called James Ryan trash, trash. (laughs) They they weren't even like, Hey, he's not as good as he's made out to be. That's, you know what I mean? That's more tame. That's kind of debatable. Still disrespectful, but like, okay. You just said he's a bad player, which is just not true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, he didn't even say he's a bad player. He said trash is way worse than he's he's just a bad player. Like, she called him trash. It's nuts. And if you've watched that clip, LaShawn McCoy, like, is like uh, perplexed that he said that and then kind of gives him a chance to get out of that, you know, because it happened like in the heat of the moment. He's like, You're calling this guy trash. Yeah. And Debo's like, Yeah. So, man, I really just think that it would be quite delicious if the Eagles win this game in any fashion. But especially, again, I think there's a scenario where they can win it comfortably because here's why. And I'm kind of tipping my hand here for the preview, but. The 49ers are very dominant, but they're also front runners. And when you punch them in the mouth and they don't have the lead and the game script isn't going their way, well, things start to unravel or can start to unravel fast for them. And all of a sudden they don't look as scary. So if the Eagles can kind of just do that and punch them in the mouth, which is easier said than done, then I think there's a chance that team looks a lot less scary than they do right now. But again, we'll save that for you for our preview episode later this week. Come on out and see us at Wrong Crowd Beer Company in Westchester, Pennsylvania. That's my final thought on Thursday night. We'd love to see you there. Have a, having a good time, drinking some Wrong Crowd beer, eating the good food they have there, watching the game. It's going to be great. Talking talking Eagles 49ers with the yep. Eagles Cowboys, whatever you want to talk about, we can uh, we can we'll spend time with you get into some maybe off the record you know like pods that you yeah. know a little we'll tell you, we'll tell like, you some stuff that that uh yeah we'll put out publicly yeah why not stuff that you can't go on the pod yeah a little buy, buy me a shot maybe loosen me up i'll <laughs> tell you whatever you want to know <laughs> okay there you go jimmy made the offer okay we will be back with you later this week check out all of our sponsor information and social media information in the episode description below shout out to rachel as always for editing these podcasts um we'll see you later this week goodbye everybody pgn